Hi, and welcome to the All Things Credit Coffee Conversation podcast series, where we from Visma On Guard talk with different experts in the field of order to cash about trends and developments. Don't forget to grab your cup of coffee while listening. Good morning. Welcome at uh, yet another Ungard Coffee Conversation. Um, I am Floor Stam, and today my guest is Elisabeth Doppelhover from ADECO. Um, you can, if you would like to, ask her questions uh, in the chat um, during the conversation, and uh, at the end of the coffee conversation, there will be time to um, answer your questions. Uh, I might incorporate them during, but uh, uh, if not, then we'll uh, get back to them uh, at the end of the the conversation. Um, Elizabeth. Hi. Good morning. Would you be so kind to introduce yourselves? Of course, yes. So my name is Elizabeth Appelhofer. I am the head of credit for the ADECO Group UK and I. Um, we are the world's leading provider of HR solutions. Um, so basically, it just means our core business is recruitment services, and we supply customers in the UK and globally as well. I've been with the team now for 13 years, so quite a long time. Um, very much grown up in, in the company, really. Um, I started at the tender age of 26 as a credit controller. And over the years, uh, worked my way up in the company and now really, really proud to be heading up a fantastic team that manages the collections for the UK and Ireland. Guess very brief background. I've actually been in recruitment for the past sort of 15, 16 years. Mm-hmm. What I particularly enjoy and why I've stayed in recruitment is because when you um, do the collections or manage the collections for a recruitment company, Putting a customer on stop isn't really an option. So for us, the emphasis is very much on negotiation and communication, which I just really enjoy. Okay, thank you. So what does a typical day in the life of a DECO credit control look like? Well, I'm going to go what it, I guess, used to look like in BAU. So in credit control or is in the, is in the group, we very much manage our team's with the lean performance management principles. We've now, um, in our organization, we call it PERFORM, which means on a morning, uh, we start our day with the daily huddle, um, which is a set time every day. We have sort of a whiteboard or an information center, as, as it's known, and the team gets together. We discuss any communication points that need to be rolled out. We look at capacity, performance, any successes and challenges, and yeah, it gives every team have an opportunity to bring um, any issues that they have um, to, the, to the board, ask for support, or even offer up some support to other team members. And it's, I think it's, it's a really great way to start the day, especially as a manager, because it very much defines my day and lets me know which teams need my support and kind of what I need to build into my day. And then after that, uh, really, I would imagine most credit control departments Our core calling hours, 10 to 12, 2 to 4, is when the guys are pretty much on the phone calling our clients and um, chasing for payments. And in between, of course, we have breaks and lunch and admin parts. And um, yeah, and and on a Monday, one part I particularly enjoy is our floor meeting where the entire department gets together. 
we have a weekly quiz and my god we are very competitive it's um, it's cool. <laughs> um, but do that with a team of credit controllers it's dangerous i think but it's great fun and it's also a great way to recognize people who have done well who've done something exceptional in the week and to get a bit of a shout out and um, whenever we have competitions we announce the winners etc and um, yeah so that's kind of day or week in the life of for us sort yeah. of that we have so what kind of competitions do you do then oh well the most recent one we had was um around the world in 80 days uh, so it was something that we did for win for youth um to raise money and we were basically having to walk around the world in 80 days as it says so every week we had a new city or country that we were aiming to get to and ultimately ending back up in Birmingham, bit, bit of a letdown after New York the week before. But, you know, we had to come home at some point. And, yeah, we had some team members log in over 200 hours of walking in that time, which is just amazing. Yeah. Wow. Those kind of things that we do. And obviously it's great because it's also for charity. And, of course, yeah. so we had some spooky huddles where people put masks on and face um, face. <sighs> like that so it's it's great fun on a team's call when everybody turns up and you're not quite sure who they are but it's fun is that also one of the uh, the things that has i can imagine at the current situation did change a thing in how we collaborate uh, uh how we work together you already mentioned teams meetings i can assume that before covid happened those meetings were in person Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that has been um, a big challenge for us, really. Um, The good thing is that we were already kind of moving towards more working from home. So luckily, everybody was set up to work from home. So we all already have laptops. Um, We already had team members regularly working two to three days a month from home anyway. So that transition was quite smooth. But it is obviously different working from home a couple of times a month versus all of a sudden having to work from home every day and yeah, just not, not seeing people. So um, we have tried to make sure um, or try to have BAU as much as possible, even working from home. So one of the things we did, we immediately changed the huddles to teams huddles, like that you say, Yeah. the information center or whiteboard became a Microsoft PowerPoint instead. And we are now actually um, internally automating that which is something I'm really excited about and looking forward to Um, but yeah the huddles have to be on camera because it's so important to see the team members because somebody's saying they're fine versus maybe seeing them you know seeing their body language their tone of voice all of that sometimes gives a little bit more away where somebody might need a chat but wouldn't maybe say if you don't see them face to face so um, certainly BAU now but it was a bit of a challenge when we were first told all to work from home to adapt to managing completely remotely which we hadn't really done before yeah so what do you think has been the the biggest challenge in this shift in way of working yeah so it's i'd say usually our client portfolio because obviously like any other you know ar department we do do the necessary check we ensure that our clients are credit worthy um prior to, to 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 trading with them and certainly to the most part Um, our clients are very much able to pay. It's more around potentially willingness to pay or just making sure all the admin is in place um, for them to enable payment. And that mindset had to completely change. And at the forefront of every collections call was actually 
discussing the client's ability to pay. And that's something I think has certainly enriched our credit controller skill set in the past few months to really get to know the customer, understand the particular challenges that this pandemic has meant for them and how we can continue to work together and try and find um, a solution to a potential payment issue that works for both parties. So, yeah, I think that's that's definitely been the biggest challenge that we faced. Yeah. Is this also the biggest change in your uh, collection strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Our collection strategy, as I briefly mentioned before, was, you know, very much contacting clients. Um, It was always quite proactive, which I think has helped us, where, you know, you contact your clients before due date, make sure everything's in order, that the invoice is ready to pay, you know, just the standard due diligence checks that you'd expect the company to make. I mean, that has helped us because that gives you the first opportunity to identify if there is going to be a potential issue. And one of the things that we um, did differently, um, where there has been an actual change in collection strategy, is that we certainly used the experience of our credit managers. And um, they were actually contacting a number of our worst affected clients to have that negotiation and discussion with them, offering them support and trying to find that, like I say, mutually beneficial solution um, to ensure that we still get paid, but also the client doesn't have any major detrimental effects because of that. And that strategy for us has been um, very successful um, in terms of our collections, our DSO, and also the client relationships that we have certainly managed to build upon. And it's something I am quite proud of. Okay. That's nice. So, in uh, because those are, I think, important measurements for you, for your uh, your team, the performance of your team. So, so how did it impact the performance overall? Because, yeah, so are quite difficult times. But on the other hand, it sounds like you have a, a, a pretty good approach. You found a good approach now to keep money coming in. Absolutely. And I think that is, has to be one of the priorities because, of course, we, we also run a business and that can only be done if, if, if we have the cash flow. So, um, so it was really important for us to keep that going. But absolutely, the balance also needed to be to look after our customers because, you know, they're our customers now and hopefully our customers in the future. And I just don't think you can ever lose sight of that. And our performance has been impacted. Yes, definitely. Particularly, I'd say March, April, parts of May, where we're still trying to find our feet, you know, where we had a lot more payment plans that we'd agreed with clients and where collections were certainly a lot more difficult than they had been in the last few years, really. Um, but our team is is just outstanding. I mean, they, they have been so brilliant, got through it. And um, as at uh, the last period, so September, our DSO is um, at a record low. So, you know, the wow. strategy has worked out. Um, and it's it's for me, it's look after your team and look after your clients and they'll absolutely get you through it. Nice. Were there any... Co- qualities uh, that your team showed that perhaps surprised you? Do you know, I always knew that they were very resilient. I've worked with a lot of my team members for the whole time I've been in the company. And, um, you know, they, they, they do usually bounce back quite quickly. But I think this completely unprecedented situation required a whole new level of resilience. And yeah, that is something that has surprised me, just how, how much they rallied together as a team, um, supported each other, 
you know, helped each other out. Um, there's been some difficult conversations, of course, uh, around furloughs and things like that, which, um, you know, again, luckily in our team, um, we had some people that um, optioned to, to do that, you know, because that was just a personal circumstance where that just worked a bit better for them. And um, yeah, it's just when collections are so difficult and you are used to as a collector, most of the calls that you make or most of the email chases you do result in what we call a payment promise. And all of a sudden, every other call is, I'm so sorry, but I can't pay you or sorry, we're closed. Contact us again in August, you know, do get, get that motivation together and pick the phone up again and just keep calling those clients and, and, and keep doing what they're doing best. I think that's something that has really, really impressed me. Wow, nice. So and there's a lot of, uh, of course, there are hard times. We have to show resilience. There's a lot, but somewhere along the line, we have to well move into the new normal or uh, back to the old normal. I don't know. But are there things that this period uh, showed you, learned you that you would like to maintain when it's we're moving into the next phase of the new normal? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, one of the things that that I would like to maintain is the uh, benefits that working from home has to work-life balance. So I do think this is a very individual situation for everybody. So some people absolutely love working from home, would like to do it all the time. For some people, particularly those with children, it may not be quite so much fun when you're trying to do a a full-time job whilst also homeschooling your children. Couldn't imagine what that must have been like. So hats off to anyone who had to deal with that. So I I, I do think that going forward, um, working from home will probably feature a bit more in, in some of the functions where that is available. But um, I guess it's yet to be seen. Obviously, with um, a new lockdown just having been announced after we thought we may start to get somewhere into a little bit of a new normal. Um, it's all up in the air again. So, so we'll see what yeah. happens. And I think what's really, really important is also to future-proof your systems. So our systems really helped us out, but there have been a couple of niggles of things that didn't work out smoothly straight away, um, like having to move to email chase rather than phone chase right at the beginning, which we all know isn't quite as effective. So um, I think that's where my focus is going to be a little bit more going into the new year, uh, making sure that if the unexpected happens, that we're ready for it. Okay. So, and, and and what exactly is it then? What are you planning to do? How do you prepare for that? I think really for me, it's liaising with our suppliers, um, see see what else they have to offer, look internally. I mean, we, we have a lot of IT capability internally, um, see what they can offer. We are already working with our own IT department um, to look at phone solutions where we can uh, make calls from the laptops, which will be so much more convenient, of course. Um, and of course, always making sure that in terms of innovation technology, that we are at the front of the game. Okay. Yeah, because that's something I'm uh, curious uh, to know as well. And there's always, there's a lot happening in digital transformation. And I really, I believe, and that's what I hear, that's what we see in the market, that the whole COVID situation only uh, worked as a, a catalyzer and it, uh, it speed up the the, the the adoption of technology because uh, we need it to be able to work like we uh, uh, are used to but um, 
there's always a, a delicate balance between uh, technology and the personal touch. And I, in collections specifically, because, uh, in the end, humans kind of make the difference. So how do you how do you balance that technology and the human touch? I think whenever you look at technology, and certainly um, we regularly upgrade our systems, they'll it's always in the forefront of your mind that whatever you are building, whatever system you're looking at, it has to support the collections process. It has to make our collectors more efficient, not take away what they do. And I, I think, so what, one example would be, um, we for our client base utilize a dialer system. And all that does is it reads out the calls where it goes to voicemail, where it's a disconnect, where the number doesn't work. That is a waste of a collector's time, right? So surely that is a system that makes perfect sense if you want to make sure that every call that connects is actually, um, well, every call that you make, is a call that connects. Because again, it, it just makes your, makes your collectors more efficient. And same as where you have an automated chase path or where you have an automated stating, statement and dunning run. That does not replace what a collector does at all, but it certainly supports and assists them. And that is what needs to be um, the priority when looking at systems and upgrades. Yeah. Okay. So, and how well, because there's so much data available. Um, and yesterday I was talking to somebody and he said uh, that um, big data was the, the big thing. But yeah. now we're moving into, he said, data minimalization because of, uh, and it's not that we have less data, but we should be very careful in what data we want to use and to make sure that we only use the data that's of added value for the thing we want to accomplish with it. Yeah. How do you, what's your perspective on this whole bunch of gold of data but it's so much and it's everywhere how do you how do you how do you use that data uh, to work for you instead of getting lost in it yeah I, I think that's a really good one because personally um I I love data I do I'm I'm very much a person who makes decisions based on data because I like my facts I like my evidence um, but you are absolutely right sometimes data can be overwhelming and on that basis it's just important like you say that the data that you have is meaningful um, so we have done numerous exercises to look at all the reporting that we do and really question it you know the amount of reports that businesses send out that nobody looks at and and are just a, a waste of someone's time you know, it's just important to eradicate those and really only um, keep the data that you use for decision making. And if you're going to run lots of data, make sure that you analyze it. Because I'm also a strong believer that a data set in itself without the story around it can actually be quite misleading and potentially lead to some assumptions that just, just aren't quite correct. So, um, yes, definitely to data, but make sure that it is meaningful. And I guess when you also, if you have a subject matter expert looking at the data, I think that is what you need rather than just running lots of data and sending it around. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, another thing. There's a, um, a lot of, uh, a, we noticed that the customer journey, customer experience is getting more and more important. And actually companies work really hard to get new customers in, but this is on maintaining them as their customers. As you mentioned before, that that's 
hey, you are focused too. They are your customers. You you want to keep them with you as long as possible. But did this kind of awareness that uh, since it's also much cheaper to maintain a customer than to get a new one in. So did this change the way that uh, collections is approached within your company? Did it change your strategy or your uh, the, the impact of your department on the company? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say that I think customer service has always been something that has been hugely important to us. Uh, we provide a lot of training to all of our collectors and actually all of our team, regardless of which department they work in, um, around what good looks like, you know, what, what, what we are striving for. So I do think that has always been something um, that certainly in my team is instilled. Having said that, we do have customers that come in every now and then or only have trade so many times a year. And it can be a little bit more difficult to build a meaningful relationship with, with those type of customers. So I would like to think that the skills that my team has gained from the communication, negotiation, you know, empathizing with, with, with a customer and the situation that they have gone through will certainly put them in good stead going forward to make sure that um, those customer service skills that are already there are certainly built upon. And um, I, I do think in any customer-facing department like collections, um, customer has to be number one priority. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, so in the coming years, what do you think is the biggest challenge for finance professionals? What a time to ask that question, eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I think if we look in sort of the immediate future, maybe a, a year ahead, um, I still think that there'll be some tough times to come. But the last few months hopefully have prepared us a little bit more for that and given us some new skills. Um, collections, I, I, I think, will will be more challenging, particularly when establishing credit worthiness. Um, most companies look back at the previous year's finances. They're probably not going to be that meaningful for, for the year 2020. Um, so potentially looking at new ways to establish that and, um, you know, building that relationship with new clients. So, so what kind of new ways, sorry to interrupt you, but this is, I think this is interesting. What kind of new ways do you reckon we should look into then? Oh, I think it's going to be about talking to your client, knowing your client, knowing the industry they're in, having some knowledge around how that industry is doing, how that industry is impacted. And I think it's about communication and honesty on, on, on both parts. And, you know, um, at the moment, certainly within our group, we have payment terms ranging from cash upfront all the way through to quite large extended terms. And I'm sure that that's something that will be looked at as well to see where it is reasonable to offer extended terms and where that might change in the future. So um, I think I think that would be quite interesting next year. Yeah. And um, it would be certainly a miss of me not to mention Brexit. I think in the UK that will certainly have an impact on finance professionals in the next year. I mean, we we have international clients, um, so it'll be interesting to see how that's going to impact collections and us speaking to clients and obviously new leg- legislation, et cetera, that we need to get ready for. Yeah. So how do you prepare for this? Because uh, we do know it's going to happen someday, but how and what is still, I think, uh, not really clear. 
Yeah, I think that's the challenge because there is so much uncertainty around it. Will there be a deal? Will there not be a deal? So at the moment, it's difficult because you are preparing for the unknown. But um, I'm I'm a believer in prepare for worst case scenario, and then at least nothing that comes your way is going to be overly a shock. So, uh, and of course, really important to keep yourself informed. You know, watch the news, check the legislations, and we have lots of um, obviously being a larger larger organization, lots of departments that purely focus on that, and we get communications issued all the time to keep us abreast of any news and making us aware of what might impact. So, I think it's just really important to keep your teams informed so again that when it happens that they are prepped and ready to go yeah okay um in terms of time i have one final question which i always ask all of the guests uh, in the coffee conversation is do you have a golden tip for those listening oh golden tip it, it might be a bit of a cliche but yeah look after your team I think the pandemic has shown more than ever that we're all human beings with feelings. We're going to have up days, down days. And, you know, like I said, I said that already in in, in interview before, you know, you look after the team, they they will rally together and they, they will get your company through. And, and I believe without our teams, without our people as an organization, we, we are nothing and, you know, keep, keep developing them. And now it's so much harder um, when, when you can't see people face to face and you can't have those meetings, but keep doing the regular one-to-ones, check in with them, have your daily huddles, be on camera, you know, and we've had so many Zoom training sessions, um, particularly around mental health, because a lot of people have it and they wouldn't necessarily tell you. So yeah, look after your teams. Sorry, I've gone on a bit there, but that is just something that is No, but that's something I completely recognize within our company as well. People struggle with the, yeah. uh, not having the social contacts that we're used to. It's it's a kind of, we have to make the best out of it, everybody. Yeah. But it's uh, especially now that the days are becoming shorter and uh, winter's coming. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, quite a challenge. I, I recognize that. Yeah, really is, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your uh, uh, view on credit management and uh, explaining us a bit more how ADECO approaches uh, collection. So um, um, thanks for that. And uh, if you would like to um, join more of these kind of coffee conversations, there are many more coming up. So um, go to uh, www.ongard.com slash events and there you'll find uh, what's uh, on the program for the coming weeks. Um, well, um, rest me with wishing you a very nice uh, day and hopefully uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks Thank and uh, bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the All Things Credit Coffee Conversation Series podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. In case you have any questions regarding this podcast for our guest speakers or for us, please reach out to us via LinkedIn or send us an email to info at ongard.com. There are many more interesting episodes for you. Check out Spotify or wismaongard.com slash events. We hope to see you soon.